Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. It is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation. You can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Skyline. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in a bit. As you can probably hear, Kyle is on his phone today because we wanted to get this out as early as possible. We're recording a little bit before 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, and there's a women's basketball broadcast, so we don't have all the uh, normal tools that we have with. But we are going to talk a bunch of U.K. basketball and their loss to Seton Hall. Then we are going to mention a couple of Allens, Dante Allen and Josh Allen. But we do got to start with the loss to Seton Hall. Kyle, we'll... Uh, obviously just start out what everybody's talking about, the timeout. Do you think Calipari should have used the timeout in that late-game situation? Yes, uh, and I you know, I know that it is his general philosophy not to, and so it's hard to go against your general philosophy that, you know, don't let the defense set up and, and just attack, and, you know, uh, that in many cases you can help the defense by calling a timeout. Um, but there have also been times in his past where he has said after the fact, I wish I'd called the timeout. And he has called the timeout sometimes, but more often than not, he doesn't. And, and when it doesn't work out, he'll say, I, I should have called the timeout. In this situation, when you've got Ashton Hagens with the ball, you're only down one. P.J. Washington has been completely unstoppable uh, inside, and you've got nine seconds left. I, I just think you, you absolutely call timeout. At least call it with six seconds left when when you when it's become clear, or five seconds left when it's become clear that Ashton Hagens is a little bit rattled. You know he looked very much out of sorts and just kind of shoveled it off to Kelvin Johnson for a long bad look. They're just to me, given all the factors, you had a bunch of freshmen on the floor. This is game nine of their career, and and Ashton Hagens is not an offensively competent point guard. I, I just think you call time out there. Give, give yourself a chance. If nothing else, just live and die with P.J. Washington. Like, find a way to get him the ball near the paint and, and take your chances there. Because he's either going to score, which he did a bunch. He scored 11 straight at one point in the second half. Or he's going to get fouled. And on, the, on that particular day, he was almost perfect. He was 12 or 13 from the free throw line. Uh, and, you're, again, you're only down one. The, almost the worst thing that could happen is P.J. gets fouled and only makes one or two and you go to another overtime. Yeah, yeah, and, and the other thing that Calipari said after the game, that Nick Richards was supposed to be in the middle of the court and that was something they were trying to set up and that's probably, you know, had a, was a factor in Higgins looking so lost because when he's looking ahead, the guy he expects to be in the middle and I, I don't know if they were going to run a screen or what, but he wasn't there, so that probably kind of confused him even more than just being a freshman in a situation like that. And I, I, you understand being a little bit confused if you're in Nick Richards' shoes. They just played that ridiculous defensive possession where they got kind of out of sorts. They were trying to you know, get the ball out of Powell's hand, who was just unbelievable down the stretch, and get it to a different guy, and there were guys jumping all over the place. So everything was kind of out of sorts starting out when they got on the defensive end when Seton Hall took the lead. And to clear some things up, uh, the rule is, you know, a pl- once the ball's live, the, a player has to call the timeout. So Calipari would have had to tell a player to call a timeout, and then they would have had to call a timeout. Some people are 
are kind of like confused by the way Calipari phrased some things, I think, at the in his postgame comments. But that's what he means by that. But, I mean, Kyle, that gets accomplished all the, all the time. When a coach wants a timeout, he yells, and one of the players knows it and then calls a timeout to the official when it's in a live ball situation. Yeah, or, or you know, at minimum, tell them in advance. If they score, call timeout. <laughs> Well, he can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't. Call, you can't call a timeout after the free throw. But he wanted to 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 the people who, and I agree with this. And to your point about when they're bringing it up, and you know they get to the point where it's clear they don't know what's going on. Nick Richards isn't in the right spot. Calipari said, you know, I was pushing him to get in the middle. When that's all going on, instead of pushing Nick Richards in the to where the spot he's supposed to be in, he should have said he should have told Nick Richards to call a timeout. That would have been the better course of action. I feel like. Well, yeah, and yeah, I think you could also be a little critical of, of depending on Nick Richards to execute in the crunch when, you know, 48 hours earlier you're talking about him not getting it done and he's going to sit on the bench. Uh, you know, of all the players on the entire roster that I would say, oh, well, let's, let's run something through this guy. I, I just, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Even if his only job was to set a screen, I just, I don't know. I guess I don't get that. But yeah, that, that part's over. You know, I would say, you know, from a general point of view, there were some positives that came out of that game. I think it's bad to lose that game. It's a game, a team that had lost three games already, had lost to Louisville already. Uh, I think a, a team with a couple good players, but not a really good team. Um yeah, but but I did think some good things came out of it, and and I'm sure we'll explore those more as we go along here. But you know, the two that really stand out to me are that Keldon Johnson is willing to take and can make huge shots. He didn't make that wild fling at the end, but he made like about as calm, collected, and perfectly done half court shot to send it to overtime as you'll ever see. I mean, he just caught it and pulled up like a like it was a jumper. The uh, Alex from the Harold Dieter, the photographer, had a great photo. It was like he was just shooting a free throw. His form was perfect jump shot form on this half-court uh, bucket. That was big. But then also, you know, if they ended up winning that game, people were, would have remembered the, the other big jump shot that Kelvin Johnson hit that gave them the lead in the, in the last little bit. So yeah. uh, I think it's big for them that they found a guy in Kelvin who's fearless. And, uh, and then the other one is that P.J. Washington – after much criticism from his own staff, coaching staff, really, really, really delivered in a you know in a big moment, in several big moments, and had a just a monster game. Twenty nine was it twenty nine points, thirteen rebounds, four assists, and four blocks. I think. Yes, that's correct. And uh, and the one like block, yet, the one block should there should be an asterisk, and it should be like super block. Because the one where he yeah. kind of stood over the guy, I saw someone tweet out that if he would have been a football player, he would have got a flag for taunting the way he kind of yeah, stared down and that I, guy. And yeah, I think he probably should tone some of that down. But, uh, you know, they want that version of PJ, though. They want the guy who's trying to destroy people, and he was at times. Uh, I didn't think it was a perfect effort for him, as good a game as it was. Uh, and he had good numbers in the first half. I don't think he was nearly as good in the first half as he was in the second half. Mm-hmm. He was unstoppable in the second half. If he's second half C.J. Washington, he is one of the best players in the country, and they are a much different team. You know, I, I think if you get if you get 
a core of like Keldon, PJ, and then Ashton, the way he's continuing to come on. He didn't handle that late-game situation great. He did make a great late-game stop. He's played some really good defense again, uh, had some key plays on the defensive end, and just, he's coming along. I think if you look at those three guys, Ashton, Keldon, and P.J., and, and you know what you're getting from Reed Travis being super consistent, yeah. that's a good core that I think you know a month from now could really look make this team look different than it does right now. So there were some positives for sure. Yeah. But yeah. there is no sort of sugarcoating that that was a brutal loss for Kentucky. Yeah, and Reed Travis finished with 13 points and six rebounds and fouls out. And, you know, you you can say this in a lot of college basketball games, but if he doesn't foul out, I, I think that there's a really solid chance Kentucky ends up winning the way they were going down the stretch. And if you put his experience on the floor instead of Nick Richards in the late-game situation, I think that they have a much better opportunity. But he fouled out, and that's part of the game, so they needed to deal with it, and they didn't deal with it properly. Uh, you, you talked about you know some of the negatives. We're going to get to them in a bit, and then we are going to um, tell you guys uh, a little bit about what the Seton Hall coach had to say, because as Kyle mentioned, they both played Kentucky and Louisville, so it's fair for them to kind of have views on both of those teams. But first, I did want to tell you guys a little bit about Skyline Chili. The holiday season is here, and that means getting together with family and friends at Skyline Chili. There's something about Skyline Chili that just makes you feel good. That secret recipe chili on a pair of cheese conies or a three-way with freshly grated Skyline cheese is the perfect combination of flares. But it's more than just incredible food. It's a community gathering place. That's what makes Skyline so special. Good food, good service, good people. They'll greet you at the door and set you up with a bowl of oyster crackers when they take your order. I'm getting hungry just talking about it. I'm going to go up home for a couple Christmas parties this week, and I'm sure I'll pop in at a skyline while I'm visiting friends. It's feeling like a good day for a trip to the Lexington skyline over on Richmond Road across from Krispy Kremes. Maybe I'll see you there. Feeling good. It's skyline time. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, Kyle, so... You know, I tweeted out during the game that I think one of the the major issues right now is Tyler Hero isn't hitting jump shots. He goes 0 for 6 from deep. And most of them, maybe all of them, were good looks. He just missed them. That's concerning for a team that Calipari says is a good shooting team. Yeah, at this point, it's, you know, performance indicates otherwise. They're They're not a great shooting team. Uh, they're tinkering with Tyler Hero. I think that's one issue, and I think they needed to tinker, as Cal Terry pointed out, like he was used to being a guy with the ball in his hand, and he'd dribble around for a while and size guys up, and, and no offense to Wisconsin high school basketball, I'm sure it's, it's good competition, but it's not college basketball competition. And, you know, for one, they're not putting the ball in his hand. He's going to have to do a lot more catch-and-shoot stuff. Um so they're working on that. But even when the ball is in his hand, he's got to get it off quicker. He's got to get it up a little higher. It's all got to be a, a, a hair-trigger type deal. And so they've they've been working with him on that, but it feels like probably some of that emphasis has rattled him a little bit and taken him uh, off kilter. He's, you know, It looks like he's leaning back to me on a lot of these shots, kind of fading away. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a shot doctor, but something I obviously – I'm not a shot doctor, but I can diagnose that something is wrong because, um, you know, he'll have a game here or there where he hits a couple, but, but it's, the percentage is very bad. To go over 6 was brutal. 
and they got him good looks. That's the thing. They actually ran offense to get him some good looks, and, and he missed every one of them. I don't even know if he took any bad threes in that game against Seton Hall. I think they were all open to really open, and he just just missed them. And that's, you know, one of those. You know, one of those in regulation or in overtime yeah. uh, is the difference. You know, it, it, a couple or three of them, which you would expect Tyler here to do a lot of times, and they're, you know, they're not even breathing hard. You know, it's just, uh, but in, if, they don't have, if they don't have an outside threat consistently, um, Jeff Drummond of uh, Rivals tweeted this. I think they've been outscored by like 92 points just on three-pointers which works out to like 11 or 96 points. It's about almost 11 points a game they're being outscored just on three-pointers. That's a huge gap. I mean, that's the reason lesser teams have been in all the games, and that's the reason they got blown out by Duke, and it's the reason that they lost to Seton Hall because, you know, they did a good job uh, checking Seton Hall's big score and then let him go off for 25 points after halftime, and, and including several huge threes, um, you know, when you don't have a thing to counter that, I mean, the best-looking three-point shot Kentucky took all day was from half court. <laughs> just run that. This is yeah, Keldon Johnson. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> Take Golden State Warriors' approach to the extreme just start pulling up at the half-court line. But I, I don't – they've got to figure something out there, and whether it is – you know, to me, the only reliable three-point shooter probably – or close to it right now, is quite a green. I was going to say, do you know what Tyler Hero's three-point percentage is right now? I think it's around 20%, isn't it? It's 27.3 right now. Quad A green shooting 42. Um, yeah. They've <laughs> Hero has hit, let me do the math real quick, Hero has hit one more three than Quad A green, but has taken 18 more. Yeah. Um, well, and like the problem is, Hero's not always perfect on defense, but there are times where he's really impactful because he's going to make quick changes. He's going to reach into passing lanes and anticipate, as Calic Perry keeps saying, he's the best anticipator on the team. Um, He's gotten a bunch of steals that way. Um, He's just a better, he's not a great defender, but he's a much better defender than Quade Green. Quade is such a liability on that end. I know that's, that's sort of the thinking there. But at this point, if you're trying to equalize that huge gap in three-point percentage or three-point uh, makes, you know, draw some stuff up. Run a bunch of screens. And when Quaddy Green's in the game, just, just do what UNC Greensboro did with Alonso. Run him through a series of screens and get him open through open looks. If, if Quaddy's in the game, he ought to be in the game to be shooting threes. Yeah. Because I... that's what he's the one thing he can do. And he's the one guy on the team who can do it consistently. So do that. And then the other piece of it is we finally saw Jamal Baker. It wasn't for very long, but he checked in the game. And if he's available, then do the exact same thing with him. And in the game, if he's in there for two minutes, fine. In those two minutes, he ought to get off, he ought to get off two or three three-pointers. And you do everything you ought to do schematically to get them for him. Because if you don't start making some of those, you know, you everybody's going to challenge you, and a bunch of people are going to beat you. The weird thing I thought in the game, and I don't know if you noticed it, and I I wasn't even keeping track of how long it, it went on, but Quade Green was back to running point guard for a, a small stretch there. I I thought that was a little bit odd, and you know, you you talked about playing Nick Richards, and Calipari's been telling us for 
uh, over a week now how I'm playing three bigs. I'm playing three bigs. And then he played four bigs. Yeah, and because I, I was listening to the pregame stuff with Tom Leach when he was talking to him because I was driving up to my parents, and he was like, I'm going to play four bigs. I'm like, you you went all, all, all in on how three bigs is the best way to go, and then all of a sudden you're going to change. And well, I mean, look, like Cal, Cal plays more mind games in the media than just about any coach. He says things for players to hear them and, and to be motivated by them, which you can debate the merits of that. But, like, that's, it's pretty obvious. You know, I, I don't think Kenny Payne would have shredded Nick and PJ in the way that he did at the press conference when he was standing in for Cal a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago, without Cal Perry's blessing. And... You know, it was obvious they wanted to motivate PJ. It was obvious in all these public criticisms of Nick Richards, which is unusual, that they wanted to motivate Nick. And, you know, Cal said at the very last availability that uh, Nick had actually had a really good practice, like a really, really good practice the day before they left for New York. And so, you know, to me it must have all been about button pushing, and he answered in practice. But until Nick does it in the game, really consistently. I don't care what he does in practice because he's obviously got a mental block in, in what he's, you know, when he gets in a, in a ball game, there's a mental block. There just is. If there, I mean, there's no other explanation for a guy with his size and athleticism and ability who we've seen have huge games for him to just completely lay eggs and, and look lost. It's a mental block. Yeah. Until he's passed it, I, I don't see how you can lean on him in a big game. As you mentioned, Kyle, the Seton Hall coach had played both Kentucky and Louisville, and he had comments after the game. And I I thought the most telling one was he said, I think Louisville shoots the ball much better. I don't think it's close. Yeah, and then the other piece of that was he thought that Kentucky was much more physical. Uh, You know, and that's the thing. I mean, we do, we, we focus a lot on the negatives of this team all season because there have been plenty of them. They do have some things going for them. You know, I mean, Reed Travis is, is totally consistent. Uh, PJ's had some huge games, now four huge games out of nine. Uh, he's been terrific. Five games, he's been pretty average. But collectively, they have kind of flexed their muscles a little bit. They're, uh, they think, I think they still lead the country in offensive rebound percentage. Uh, they crush people on the glass. So there is that, but they have got to, they've got to make some shots, uh, you know. I think Kentucky can certainly, with Seton Hall did and with Louisville probably will and with other teams, have the edge on the glass and inside, but that, that three-point thing is going to hang over them for as long as it's a problem. And you know, right now it looks like it might be a problem all year. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, they got guys that have made shots before, Tyler Hero, Emmanuel, quickly, you know, in the, at the lower level, and they're not, they're not hitting them now. But, yeah, obviously we're going to be talking a ton of basketball this week. But coming up next, I do want to talk a little football and then share some stories about a future basketball player, Dante Allen. But first, I do want to tell you guys about Sling TV. You don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. Listen, we're all traveling during this holiday season, and the best way to keep your team with you all the time is Sling TV. Are you sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch just to see your team win? Sling TV is the best way to watch college football, college basketball, NBA, all kinds of sports. 30 bucks a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. 
You can stream on your big screen. And right now, most importantly, as we're traveling, all your favorite devices, your phone, your laptop, all those things. Slagan TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and most importantly, you can cancel anytime. Right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Kyle, Josh Allen won's a major award, but ESPN tweets out the wrong name initially. Did you see that tweet? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. ESPN sent out that the Bednarik Award had gone to the, the Clemson player, and I saw the screenshots floating around, and, and Josh Allen, of course, obviously won. Um, but what an honor for a U.K. football player, and you know, the, a national award for the best player on one side of the ball is something that can only help Kentucky football going forward. Yeah, so he's won, he's got, what, two National Defensive Player of the Year awards, yes. the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, unanimous first-team All-American. Uh, we mentioned you know, some of the other awards. I think Benny Snell's been on an All-America team. C.J. Conrad just won a, a big national award, the Top Warner, I think it was, yeah. for kind of a combination of like community service and academics, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scoops, the Coach of the Year, all, all these things. Uh, Bunchy Stallings has been on on from all several All America lists as well. I mean, just easily the most decorated uh, season of in modern, I think, in modern Kentucky football history. I don't even need, uh, I don't even know if you need to put the word modern in that. Honestly, Kyle. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I would assume that those Bear Bryant teams, without having gone back and looked, had a bunch of All Americans and uh, didn't they? Pirelli wasn't he like a, yeah. in the top five in the Heisman voting and you know there, I would imagine there were maybe some of those Bear Bryant teams when they went to three straight major bowl games uh, maybe qualified but yeah at the very least in the modern era the most decorated season just across the board all these awards the wins the bowl game um, I would think that this is recruiting fuel that they've ever had um, mm-hmm. in terms of being able to go out in the total picture, too, of no coach in U.K. football history has ever been able to go out with as much on-field momentum, you know, national recognition, and all the facilities that are in place. Um, because now everything's up to snuff. The stadium is nice. The, the brand-new state-of-the-art practice facility is, is terrific. Um, and then you have all this actual performance to sell as well. This is it's some good recruiting fuel. I mean, it wasn't enough for Wandale Robinson, mm-hmm. but I think there is other stuff at play there. Uh, I think in general, there's they're going to probably be really well received in the uh, the last few guys as they try to lock up the rest of this recruiting class, and the, and certainly should have some momentum recruiting the next class. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, speaking of recruiting, speaking of recruits. I was in Falmouth, Kentucky on Saturday night to check out Dante Allen, the four-star commit from Pendleton County. They were facing Bracken County. And, Kyle, you know, the first three quarters of the game, Allen was playing pretty well, and nothing was really going crazy. Nothing was making my eyes really pop, besides the fact that, obviously, he was a really good athlete and he was bigger bigger than most guys. But game rolls on, and he ends up scoring 50 points. 
and I'm talking to his coach after the game, and his coach Keaton Belcher says, honestly, he didn't play that well. <laughs> but then he goes, he, he read me his unofficial stat line off, off their, uh, the, what their manager had written, and I think these numbers got changed a little bit when they get in and everything, but he said, okay, he had 51 points, 19 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks, not a bad night for an off day. Um, but <laughs> he's that kind of talent, and obviously it speaks a little bit to the talent level he was playing, but there were some some moments where you just saw some stuff with him, and I, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. There was a sequence where he hit a three. He had a huge block on a kid. It was it was the style of block wasn't similar to P.J. Washington's, but the result where you just felt bad for the kid who got his shot blocked because he was kind of it was obvious he was facing a different level of athlete. Um, and then after the block, he has an and one and a dunk. And at that point, it was in the fourth quarter. Pendleton was only leading three, but after all that from Allen, it extended to a double-digit lead, and they went on to win the game. Um, but I was I was pretty impressed by him, and I, I, I think, obviously, Kentucky fans are going to like him, Kyle, because he's from Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, that's a big piece of it. Just, you know, the outcry for find more Kentucky boys. You know, they uh, everybody cites that statistic that they've never won a national title without a, uh, what, a Kentucky, a, a homegrown player mm-hmm. in the top something six five or six in scoring. Is that right? That sounds something I think that, close to I it. I think Mark Story is the keeper of that history, but uh, at the Herald Leader. And he um, uh, likes to update Tavion Hollingsworth's games from Western, but go on. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy that Kentucky could have used. I mean, that's, you know, I think that one was a mistake. Uh, they've made a couple of those. Um, but, you know, I think people hope that Darius Miller, uh, this is Darius Miller 2.0. You know, and, uh, he, 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 I can kind of get that vibe a little bit. Like, demeanor-wise, they're a little bit similar. When when the other team kind of got nasty with him, he really turned it up to another level, which you would see Darius do every once in a while. Yeah, uh, tall, I, guys that, yeah. tall guys that are shooters. I yeah, mean, what, six, yeah. Is Allen like 6'7"? Yeah, he's 6'7", he's, he's and uh, it's it's pretty legit. I mean, yeah, he's he's a big guy. And, but, yeah, I mean, he's got what now? I think I saw, what, five career 50-point games in high school? Yeah. He's off to this r- ridiculous start. I think he's averaging, like, 35 and 12 or something for, so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he, um, his numbers are just remarkable. And to your point about, you know, Kentucky fans loving a homegrown kid, while I was about to do the interview, someone walked up to him, and I think it was one of his – high school classmates because they knew each other the way they were interacting and he goes hey man um can you can you sign these for me i want to give them to my grandma and he pulled out these two kentucky christmas ornaments and so he signed them for them and i guess they're going to be on the tree uh in pendleton county this year on someone's well, that's grandma a very that's a very thoughtful grandson i gotta say yeah so but it was it was a good experience i'm gonna try to take in another one of his games uh, throughout the season because he's he's definitely worth watching and, he, and he's an entertaining uh, player and was really nice. Like I said, I did the interview. You can check out my quick write-up and then the post-game interview with Dante Allen. I got it on my timeline at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H, and it's on BigBlueInsider.com. That's the name of the show I do with Dick Gabriel locally here who I was covering the game for. Speaking of social media, Kyle, let everybody know where they can follow you. At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Um, follow at Locked On UK. 
to get all the updates. Congratulations to the winner of the Darius Miller Championship 8x10 uh, from the review contest we did. I sent him a DM. We'll be tweeting out who won that in a bit. It was announced on Saturday privately, and it was a cool note back. I got Kyle. Apparently that same day he had the birth of a son, so it was a big day. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was kind of cool. So we'll get that shipped out this week and appreciate everybody reviewing rating and subscribing to this podcast and then also the biggest thing you can do is share it with somebody else who would enjoy it this edition was brought to you by skyline chili thank you so much for listening to locked on kentucky we'll talk to you soon you are locked on kentucky available on apple podcasts google podcasts or tell alexa or google to play podcasts locked on don't worry i won't finish you get the idea to sound better on speaker yeah, keep talking for a minute. I think it sounds a little bit better. What's up, what's up, what's up? Yeah, I like that. And a you hear me. Yeah, you and you can hear me fine? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I like that a little bit better. So let's roll with that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, we'll wrap with Josh. And um, uh, I'll mention seeing Dante Allen as well. But we'll do, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll do mostly uh, mostly the basketball game. So we'll just, we'll just roll through topics until we get through about tw- like 20, and then we'll... I mean, you know, I'll split it somewhere. Then at the end, we'll do mention Allen, mention mention both Allens. So there we go. All right. Yeah.